Hey guys, welcome to NGF News. We got a topic of the week right now, and this one is an interesting one. So this one's topic is the United States need to strengthen its relationship with Eastern Asia. Yeah, so we picked this topic because we feel like it's not talked about uh, in the news a lot. And with the growing tensions uh, in the South China Sea, growing tensions with uh, China over Taiwan, bolstering our relationship in uh, in Eastern Asia is really important right now and very strategic for us. So, um, yeah. We have a, we're going to start with a little bit of the intro of the problem, go into some history, what's going on now, and then what what else needs to be done. Yeah. Um, I'll just go into the intro for this one. So Tokyo, um, capital of Japan, and Seoul, capital of South Korea, their biggest concern right now is that the United States cannot um, reaffirm its commitments to security within the region. So with the war going on in Ukraine, with inflation, with the South China Sea and how that's uh, the Chinese are raging to try and take Taiwan and build up military bases, they just feel like they're being squeezed by China right, right. now. And so both countries uh, who have a kind of hatred for each other but have had not very good relations in the past years, they're... Their infighting is not helping anything at all either, especially also with South Korea being obviously bordered with North Korea. That's a big issue um, right now in the South China Sea in Tokyo and Seoul. They just don't feel like they are going to be protected if the time comes to war. Yep. And just going back onto the um, the feeling of being squeezed, that also has to part do because of the Ukraine war. U.S. has shifted much of its focus to um, supporting Ukraine and while tensions grow in the South China Sea, tensions are growing over Taiwan. So the U.S. is a bit in a bit of a juggling act, and Japan and South Korea don't want to lose their um, strategic advantage in the South China Sea. Yep. So going to the uh, Japan-South Korea relations, we're going to go back in history just a little bit, uh, just to discuss how we got to the point where Japan and South Korea have high tensions at the moment. So... Japan and South Korea relations have been at a roller coaster. Um, since 1965, the two countries have worked to normalize relations. Uh, Japan apologized in 1990 to South Korea for its imperial rule during World War II and its involvement in the Comfort Women Station stations, uh, which forced Korean women into sexual slavery for the Japanese military. Since then, normal uh, relations were normalizing until the Japanese Liberal Democratic Party complicated the Seoul-Tokyo relationship. Um, this is because critics of the uh, LDP, Japanese uh, Liberal Democratic Party, uh, believe that it was pursuing the idea of returning to masochistic history and reviving Japan's status during war uh, during wartime. So the idea of like in the what is it individualism? What, uh, they felt like they were trying to revive their history, revive like, the Japanese like. Or they wanted uh, nationalism. 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 That's what I was looking for. They looking wanted for. to do that. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh. They, they wanted to revive the nationalist Japan, like the uh, the idea of being Japanese and Japanese strength and yeah that. So uh, by 2018, uh, Seoul Tokyo relations tanked, uh, um, part due to reason because of that. And there's been uh, this situation where the South Korean Supreme Court ordered two Japanese companies to compensate for forced uh, Korean laborers. Uh, the president at the time, Moon Jae-in, uh, backed out of a, 25, a 2015 deal to resolve an issue uh, with the comfort women problem, saying it was uh, flawed. Uh, Japan then retaliated with export controls on chemicals used to produce semiconductors. 
and dropped South Korea as its preferred trading partner. Uh, South Korea dropped them as a preferred trading partner and threatened to uh, take away certain, what was it? But it, then it just became, for that point, it just became retaliatory, just exports, uh, export uh, controls and removing the status of um, preferred trading partner. Preferred trading partner. So yeah, that's yeah. kind of the history. I mean, even now, um, looking at the idea of Korean unification, Japan supports it, South Korea, they don't. South Korea kind of supports reunification, right? Because of the idea of being one Korea. Right? Yeah, one well, Korea. That's what they yeah. want to do with North Korea, which won't happen, won't unfortunately, because yeah. it could be a good thing. But yeah, Japan and South Korea—they've they've had a long history, and just, just just to say now, though, they are working a little bit closer together, Japan and South Korea, and mostly because of the United States, which is you know the whole reason why we want to discuss this topic is because the United States needs to intervene. One of the things they did recently was they just staged a rare joint naval drill after um, North Korean missile launches. So I think one thing that Japan and Korea are coming together on right now, why they're kind of the relations are getting better, is because China's security, China's uh, will to go into Taiwan. They they're they're afraid of that. And then North Korea, with the recent testing of missiles, that's been I mean they've always been testing missiles, but recently it's been like. Every day. It's been it's been bad. Yep. So this is important for the United States because what we're doing right now and we're focused so much on Ukraine, but we're just like ignoring the South China Sea and Japan and South yeah. Korea, whom are really I mean, we're fully ignoring, but it's not at the same level of attention as it was before the Russia Ukraine war. Especially, yeah, in twenty nineteen, yeah. I mean with under the Trump administration, oh, we were on it. Yeah, we were on it. We were in the South China Sea. We had naval operations going on every day, almost not every day, every week, and training exercises and all that stuff, building up military bases, working with the Chinese or the Japanese and the South Koreans. One of the things that pushed Japan over the edge too was because of the invasion, Russia invading Ukraine. Japan saw it as okay. If Russia can do it, well, China can do it. I mean, right. Look at the difference. Taiwan is much smaller. It's an island nation. It's isolated. You know, Ukraine is a bigger country. They have or more a conquer. bigger military. They have the West right there. Taiwan's on its own. And so Pan is very fearful of the South China Sea just going. It's just right. going to be Chinese. And I mean, China believes it's their right, but obviously the law of the seas, if you know that in uh, 1960 something, uh, the law of the sea says that 12 nautical miles offshore is your territory. After that, it's international waters or free trade zones. So this is interesting. And yeah. something I believe the South question. Koreans see this as well. Um, yeah. With the Russia-Ukraine war going on, they have no choice but to work with their regional partners. I mean, Russia, uh, sorry, Japan and South Korea, they need to work together, with the, especially with the growing threat of, um, of China. But this is more than just also security stuff, too. This is... An economic thing as well. Yep. Um, the United States has provided $12.1 billion in uh, development, economics, uh, health, and security assistance to ASEAN uh, and non-ASEAN Eastern allies. So ASEAN is... What, what is it? What is the, we've done so much it's research. Eight, I can look it up. Oh, please, done I can so never... So ASEAN is a regional... Um, uh, my... Not was pulling up the... Uh, the full name of Association ASEAN. of Southeast Asian Nations. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I know. It, yeah. So what um, ASEAN is, it's a regional... It's a regional what do we call it? trading block, I believe. Trading where block, they had, organization. Yeah, where they had a bunch of the up-and-coming 
what they called the Asian Tigers, which were countries that were um good in uh what's it called uh their, their economy. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're, they were economy. developing. Yeah, they were developing rapidly. nations. Developing rapidly. And so the countries that are in them are Indonesia, uh, Vietnam, the Philippines, British Malaya, Malaya, uh, pull up others. Let me look at, let me look at the members. Yeah, so as he's, uh, looking up the exact members, we should put this down. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Brunei, Cambodia, Indonesia, Laos, Malaysia, Myanmar, the Philippines, Singapore, Thailand, and Vietnam. Um, some incredibly big countries, some incredibly small countries, Thailand, Vietnam, Indonesia, all have over, I believe, all have over 100 million or more. Indonesia, I know, definitely has 200 million or more people yeah. in terms of population. Um, this is a big uh, partner of the United States as well. Yep. Something I think the U.S. should use to uh, persuade Korea and China yep. or Japan. I mean, the U.S. is... One of ASEAN's largest source of foreign direct investment. So, um, some of the things that they invest in include science, tech, and the innovation. Obviously, those are the big three right now. Yeah. Um, some of the investment initiatives and energy initiatives across the Eastern Asian oh my god, Eastern Asian countries <laughs> include the Smart Cities Partnerships, which is an initiative to provide clean water and transportation to many cities, and the New Business Innovation Fund. Um, that provides climate actions in ASEAN to reduce single-use plastics, recycle solar panels, and other climate initiatives. So the, the U.S.'s involvement in ASEAN and Eastern Asian allies will kind of be the countermeasure of China's growing economy and development. Yeah. ASEAN is important for the U.S. because they will. that's where they pretty much get all their semiconductors from. Yeah. So where they get all their important resources. I'm surprised Taiwan's not in... ASEAN. I think it would be smart for them to join. I mean, okay, I, I take that back. It would not be smart for them to join. That would piss off I was, China. I was just about to yeah. say. <laughs> I but mean, what... I'm surprised they weren't at the start. It's only, I mean, technically, it's an economic partnership. So would that... I, I, that's, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line that, that could like, piss off China. Like, if, if they walk that rope, if they go just a little to the left, they'll cut it right off. Like... I don't know. I mean, Taiwan, I'm surprised Taiwan didn't join really, really early on, like in the seventies, yeah, seventies and eighties, when they made ASEAN. Because they they have been they were a perfect candidate for they uh, were uh, what is it to become an Asian tiger? Yeah, they you had everything: semiconductors. They'd make all the chips that we buy. We don't buy many from Ta um, China anymore because we have Taiwan Taiwanese chips. The economic but, potential would of ASEAN, and if it continues to grow, could match that of the eu and maybe surpass it and it could stabilize the region because south korea and japan can use them as a trading block right. and work with them to counterbalance china and even india because india is not a very big fan of asean they're kind of getting closer with china especially russia which is just unfortunate yeah i don't know what the new indian president is doing when he <laughs> abstained in the u.n Upstain against the invasion. I was like, "What are you doing?" But I, India would be far better off in ASEAN. But like you said, I I don't even know either what what he's doing. Yeah. Imagine if he were to join ASEAN, he could just leave BRICS entirely and say, Listen, "This is for us. ASEAN is the way to make money, yeah. and it will be." And that's why Japan and South Korea need to stabilize their relations. They need to remove all these exports, uh, export embargoes, and just telling each other like telling each other off. Yeah. This is not this is not sustainable for ASEAN because no. they are the two biggest economies. Wait, South Korea. Yeah, they are the two biggest economies. So, yeah, outside of China. Yeah, inside of China, right? 
in the in the uh, in their eastern, Indonesia in the might eastern be Asia. a little better. Might be a little bigger. Where, I'm not too positive. Country? Indonesia might be a little bigger economically, but I'm not positive. They're they're uh, considered emerging. Yeah, yeah, coming up. Um, but other than that, yeah, the future of ASEAN and Eastern Asia, it's. It will definitely develop. Don't get me wrong, but right now we're seeing a little bit of a hiccup because it's of very close. What? It's about 0.5 billion uh, difference between Indonesia and South Korea. South Korea does have the bigger one now. Mm. Seoul is a beautiful country. I want to go there so bad. Beautiful. Uh, city. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go there so bad. But yeah, so the the economic side of things, I think it's in and in South Korea's nature or uh, interest. Sorry. To totally. Create better relations with which they have great relations, but I think it'd be better to just keep furthering those relations even more, creating more trade agreements, all that to counterbalance against China. But for me personally, right now, because I, I do see that they are already pretty close, I think a security pact between those countries, ASEAN, South Korea, and the next NATO, something like that, that would be fantastic. a security pact with the backing of the United States, with the backing of potentially. India, backing up potentially Australia, those countries could help back the security pact and protect the South China Sea. And even strategic-wise, it just makes sense. We yeah. have the West covered, yeah. and if we have a security side on the east, on the eastern side, right, in the Pacific Ocean as well, the U.S. would be completely, like, covered, as well yeah, as protection sure. of Taiwan. But w I believe this might also piss off the Chinese as well. Oh, and they could form... Their own military pact with Russia if we were to create the next NATO um, yeah. in the Pacific. So then, for me, a counter a counter to that would just be to have ASEAN just create the, their own security pact. Leave Japan without, and, without yeah. US. Yeah, just leave it without Japan and Korea. Have their own in the within the region, and then Japan and Korea would be like, oh, we support it, and then China's going to be like, well. We have no choice <laughs> because That's they're going to make it smart. Anyway. So use ASEAN, this new military pact, if it were to happen, as a proxy, essentially. Yeah, proxy. Mm, that's that's actually interesting. Oh wow! It, I mean, it's 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 a shot in the dark. Yeah. I mean, every everything we say here is a shot in the dark because you know, obviously, there's there's things, other things we got to think about in terms of how there's a lot of implications implications that can happen, but it's their ideas that that can change the course. Of the relations in Eastern Asia and how China views and what they do in the South China Sea and also what they might potentially do to Taiwan. There'll be pushback, definitely, but I believe this would be enough. How do I say this? It would create enough tension, right? If these were to form, if this was to form to get China out of Taiwan. Yeah, I agree. It may be enough. It may not be enough. Maybe China might be on phase, but... It'd be a good way to to say, hey, we need peace here. Get out of the South China Sea. Stop making these man-made islands. Get out of Taiwan. We just want peace in the area. Yeah. And then maybe later on, normalize tensions uh, with China, engage in economic. Um, yeah. I know I know ASEAN has pretty good relations with China. They've, they've actually oh, met yeah. in November to discuss uh, trade deals. Um, there was in Jakarta. Which is the yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah. But even then, it's just like still at a standstill because ASEAN and Eastern Asia partners are just like, listen, like we we can't we can do these trade deals, but South China Sea issue in Taiwan, yeah. so it's a step in the right direction for sure. Yeah. China had a goal, and post COVID, pre COVID, their goal was to you know rule Eastern Asia. 
Not not rule it by like okay like we're the emperor, but like rule it as in we're the leader. We have everyone behind us. We back they back us. Well, what happens? Cuts the world off from everybody. Even China is cut off, and then all of a sudden, China's economy is tanking. Then Russia invades Ukraine, and now Eastern Asia is afraid of China for the first time in a long time. Where it's not like okay, we're we want to we need your money. Now they're like okay, we don't need your money anymore. We're afraid of you. <laughs> Because yeah. of what happened in Ukraine, and that's and Japan and South Korea, I think, are really pushing that threat because right. I think ASEAN is seeing okay, Japan and South Korea are scared, like we gotta be scared too, right? Um, for me personally, um, just looking at everything, really, just looking at the entire world, the bolstering our relationship with Eastern Asia would be the best way to solve our energy crisis, yes. Um, this is because they have. In Eastern Asia, they have all the technology they need. And bolstering our relationship with them would solve most of our energy problems here in the U.S. It would lead to... What what kind of agriculture stuff is in... Not much. We mostly just do rice. I'm, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about the, the rising food costs, right? Yeah. And would... I mean, and now you see on U.S. Fishing? fishing? I mean, fishing is a big thing. Fishing, especially yeah, for Japan and Korea. Correct. Fishing market, good. Yeah, that could change. But, but definitely energy... I mean, Energy will be, be impeccable be because they also have oil, but they also have um, really, really good technologies for sustainable energy, uh, climate-friendly energy. Correct. So, tips. That's a big thing. Our cars in America, we can't eat. We're, we're still struggling to get cars on time I because know. there's not enough no, chips. Yes. I did read a thing that uh, dealers are, are filling up again That's good. here in the U.S. So, I guess we're kind of solving our um, issues, but not fully yet. We're not there yet. And bolstering our relationship and trying to manage both sides because yes, the U.S. is still is very focused on NATO and protecting, um, protecting Ukraine. But this also gives China the momentum to do whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, even look at North Korea right now. They're using this this moment to just fire nukes into the ocean. They're just completely. They're being using ignored it too to their advantage. So, do you notice that on the news? It's just it's it's there for one day. It's gone, yeah. it's gone. It's just like common occurrence now. Yeah. Fire another nuke. Oh, it's not. That's that's not that's, that's, if Russia fired a nuke, we'd be like, all right. I'm exactly. Like, exactly. Yeah, yes, right, I understand that Korea can't hit us yet. They don't have the technology to, but it's. Who knows? But still, it, 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 the point is, is that if a nuke it's still fires a nuke. on land in a civilization, I mean, that's war. That is it doesn't war. matter where it is. It's going to be war. And we're letting North Korea just get fired up. They're just continuing the fire and fire and fire. They're threatening us. Oh, if you re- if you retaliate, then we will do X, Y, and Z. But who cares? You know what I read the other day? You know why no one cares? Because when we actually go in there, North Korea backs off. Oh, they'll, they'll be destroyed. We say that all the time. They have the biggest mouths, but they're no action. But they're going to continue talking a lot if we do not step up our relationship. Yeah. Well, that was the biggest thing on Russia invaded Ukraine. Because they were just like, eh, I'm going to push your button a little bit. <laughs> they push it a little <laughs> bit more. park a few vehicles here. I'm going to have some troops mobilized here. Oh, it's nothing crazy. Though. Oh, I'm just just some trading exercises. <laughs> no, it's nothing else. Well, you know what I saw the other day when I was reading, doing research for this i just remember this south korea was considering either a building their own nuclear arsenal no bueno who asking the united states to deploy missiles in the peninsula park them right there park them there it's scary that they went to us they asked us can you park missiles here 
is as a potential. They weren't like, can you? They were like, would you be willing to? And then the other thing was like, okay, then, well, let's build. Here's the thing, though. How would China feel to that? That's what I'm saying. Like, That's not – this is not – I haven't heard what China said. If, that's horrible. If South Korea were to develop its own nuclear program as a retali- – as a sort of like deterrence for North Korea. No. I feel like that would be the best option if they're considering like having nukes as a form of deterrence. Because, I mean, I hate to say it, but in this world, deterrence with – Nuclear weapons has been the reason, one of the main reasons for peace. Yeah, for no one wants to test anything out because of the idea of deterrence and mutually yeah. assured destruction. So, would South Korea replicate this concept of mutually assured destruction? Maybe I don't know. But here's, but the, I don't think parking U.S. nukes. No, that's near awful. China, a terrible idea. Near China as well. No, they'll no, be scared. That that if you want to talk about your what you talked about in the last episode where the Cold War might start, that's how you start that's it. it. <laughs> <laughs> China's gonna be like, all right, I got. I'm gonna go back to Cuba just as a mm, big, you know. I'm just gonna park some nukes big middle finger. Yeah. Uh, but here here's the one problem with if, if South Korea were to do that is that we all know that Japan is. Completely anti-nuke. They will never. After what happened, oh, they will yeah. never do that again. And so South Korea comes in and says, hey, we're going to build their nuclear weapons. Oh, yeah, that's something. Japan's going to be like, Relations what's going to happen, bro? Like, yeah, like, what? Are, I thought we uh, formalized yeah, our relationship. We're, we're here on. right now. Like, th- we're, we're trying to come together so that China doesn't take us over. And North Korea doesn't screw you guys. Like, they, they, can't, they can't do that. I think South Korea is making a big mistake by making that statement. But we can't let North Korea have nukes either. No. That's, again... At the end of the day, we need to park some carriers right next to right next to like South Korea. In the peninsula, yeah. Yep. Pointed towards like our decks pointed towards North Korea and say, listen, like we're right here. No. You know what my, my favorite thing about the US is is that especially what happened in Iraq, Afghanistan, is that when we flew F fourteens over those countries and over the places where we were having struggles with troop troop conflicts. What'd they do? Backed off. Exactly. You know what I'm saying right now? Like, I think what we do is we put a carrier in there, take a couple of jets, fly over North Korea, throw our might. That's all it takes. And then North that, Korea will maybe back down a little bit. That could be all it takes. But yeah. we don't know yet because we don't it's know. North Korea. Yeah. Kim Jong-un is insane. He is insane. More He's than, worse than Putin. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say, this Putin. guy is as irrational or even more irrational than Putin himself. But yeah, I mean that that can be it. It should be all it takes. Just flying and over. I mean, look at China. China just put balloons in our airspace. Yeah. What's North? And we shot it down. But what's North Korea gonna do? You're gonna shoot. You're gonna shoot down one of our F-18s with a human in it. Not not just a balloon. There's a person in there. That, <laughs> no good. That's the wrath of the United States. Yep. And and what what people don't understand is like everyone. Everyone has always talked about, especially pre-war, is like, oh, like Russia's got this big, mighty military. It's like, okay, whatever. Have they tested it in recent years? No. The only country in the world that has actually put the full might of their military out there is the United States. We yes, are battle hardened. We are battle hardened. So if you shoot us down, you're gonna go out there, and you're gonna have zero strategy, zero this, zero that. We're gonna be like A, B, C, my yeah. and. <laughs> That is, that is true. That's how the U.S. does respond. That's uh, how the U.S. does react. Yeah, so. and and that's why Russia's losing in Ukraine. Not to get off topic, but they they're they're not battle tested. Yep. That's why that's why if, if in the occurrence if China were to go into Taiwan, I think they'd struggle too. And we're also learning about 
even with this Russia Ukraine, we are learning strategies. We're learning. We're understanding our weapons. Yep. This will give us the advantage if, God forbid, China does go into Taiwan, as you said. So there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of security implications yeah, as well. But even with like economics, right? Free trade throughout the entire Eastern Asia. Perfect for the world. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I mean, Eastern Asia. Free trade. The biggest... No, no taxes, no import costs, no export costs, nothing. Zero yeah. dollars. That would, that's how you bolster your relationship yeah, you, with Asia. If you take Asia. the GDP of every single country, including China and India and Asia, it's almost like double Europe. Triple Latin America. The USMCA, right? This con- The concept of the USMCA, and we apply it with ASEAN. Yeah. Trade. It could be good. China, China could benefit. Japan would benefit. South Korea would benefit. Even North Korea would benefit. Yeah. And if we can create this idea of benefits, right? What's not to stop China from saying, listen, like, we, we kind of like what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's get a little piece let's of the pie. Let's get a little piece of the pie of that. Oh, you want a little piece of the pie? Get out of sight. Back off. <laughs> Back off on the South China Sea. And you're more than welcome. In- and, and one thing that I, I've drawn, like, I'm not a fan of Xi Jinping, but personally, I believe he is one of the smartest people on this planet. And how he he works with relations, and I think oh my god, you can yeah, if that. you could back him into a corner, ASEAN backs him into a corner and says, "Hey man, we have this economic deal right in front of you to help restable what's going on in China, your economy, back out of South China Sea a little bit." You know, we're not saying that you can't be there. We're telling you stop erecting deserts or uh, islands, islands, military bases. You could you could you could have your navy in there. That doesn't matter to us. Just no bases. No islands, no artificial islands. Yeah, we'll we'll give you their deal. And if they back out and China doesn't go to those terms, you can back out of the deal anytime. Have those stipulations because I mean they are. If you put all those GDPs together, they're very close to China. Yep. And how oh, big strength they are, especially if you add Japan and Korea in there. Oh, that'd be dangerous. Yep. For China economically, so there's a lot of things the U.S. could do to peacefully and diplomatically stir the pot a little bit and kind of force China's hand. And if we're going to use diplomacy, the best way, economic policies. Yeah. Just, show, just show the world the benefits. And then you might even have well, North Korea. Might not That's what I hate about the United States is because we did like we, we went to Europe and we're like, hey, hey, here's our economic benefits. We're like, thank you so much. And then the rest of the world were just like, nah. Exactly. Hey, why why can we need to create this economic interdependence globally? Yeah. China, China's doing it with the rest of the world and well, okay, yes, they're getting well, the money, forcefully. but yeah, forcefully, forcefully, <laughs> they're getting the money and they're seeing some benefits, but mostly negative implications. Why doesn't the United States go in there and be like, "Hey, look at Europe. We we built that country up. We rebuilt the entirety of Europe after the war. Look at it, beautiful, best transportations in the world, up and upcoming emerging economies. The EU is one of the best trading. Is the only trading block outside of ASEAN. Oh, we can help you." We can help you. We can do it. That's why I don't understand about the United money, States. And that's the, the United States need to do in Asia. We have the means. We have the the supply chain. All we needed is to implement. Think if, if I think I this might be the goal of the United States after Russia, Ukraine. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I think this Agreed. might be the next move because we've hurt economically, right? And we already have relations with the with the EU, even the U.S. trade deal right now. Yeah. U.S. EU uh, trade negotiations. Yeah. You know, whatever. It's still. A little bit uh, shaky because of the, uh, what was it, Build Back Better? Yeah, Build Back Better. Build Back Better and all the subsidies inside of it. That's going to hurt um, trade between the U.S. and EU. Yeah. But 
Imagine if we were to look to ASEAN. Now we have two trading blocks. That'd be insane. It'd be perfect. We would be unstoppable. Yeah. We're already unstoppable technically, the United States, economically wise and military wise. Yeah. Having that ASEAN would just seal the deal. It would get possible. And, well, and continue the uh, globalization idea of economic interdependence. Yeah. To the point where even BRICS might just say, listen, like we need we need to formulate some imagine what if there was a BRICS ASEAN like like trade Yeah, paper. something big like that. Where China kind of steps in. Right. Them. Yeah. And then we can bring in the more emerging and developing economies to so the more developed con uh developed uh states of the um of ASEAN. Yeah. It would be incredibly smart. I mean, if we do that, I'm, I'm, I would think it'd be successful because they're already not only are they developing economies, but they're they're very at that they're at that cost of being developed. Right. I think in twenty years, thirty years down the line, Indonesia, Vietnam, Philippines, they'll be considered developed nations. But Let's say it go it's it all goes well. I think it encourages the United States to do, implement the same plans in Africa and then encourages the same oh, yeah. thing in Latin America. Because right now we ignore those countries because first off, you know, they're by dictatorial governments, communist governments, destabilization in those countries. And the United States doesn't want that. We want to focus on stabilized regions. Well Well, we want to create democracy first and then go and economically. Yeah, but what's random about we... ASEAN? They're stabilized. Right. I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to top off everything, um, I believe that going back to the partnerships and innovation fund that I was talking about earlier, yeah. the smart city partnerships and the new business innovation fund, we can take whatever is going on in ASEAN, all the stuff they're producing there, we can bring it back into the United States. For sure. We'll have the clean water, better transportation system. We need, we need a better. God desperately. We God desperately need. The U.S. desperately needs a better transportation system. After what's been going on? Oh, yeah. Every day. New train, the rail. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but I don't know either. Sabotage? I don't know. Yeah, it's another story for That's another a, day. And then the new business innovation fund, all the climate initiatives. Mm. I, I was just thinking the circular economy in ASEAN. That's it. Doing that? They're giving it a try, right? I think so. Something like smart. That. I think circular economy is a great way to first climate friendly, second off. The ability the, to reuse materials is so important oh nowadays. My God, so yeah. important. Because well, 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 there'll be a point in time where, well, there has been a point in time where we face shortages of God knows like everything. Yeah. Every single thing. If we were able to take the lessons, right? If the U.S. does step in and continue these initiatives, right? Then we could take a few lessons from understanding how circular economy works in ASEAN. That'd be a perfect takeaway we can implement that sort of like yeah yeah you know, we do have free market economies here in the united states but why don't we mix it up with a little bit of circular economy and be able to reuse materials uh, materials yeah the eu does a little bit of it yeah i feel like that might be the next move um that could be the next move and if we were to strengthen our partnership and continue to do that in eastern asia we will see how it can be implemented mm -hmm. and what the uh, benefits and disadvantages are so yeah i agree i mean this is an important important region that the united states i think is i get it you know there's a war we gotta finish it protect europe we can't just ignore security and economic advantages in this region because we've, we've been dealing with them since the 70s since china opened up and now we're kind of just backing off a little bit and i think the biden administration and future administrations need to plan for Eastern Asia. This should be the forefront of every future president's U.S. Uh, foreign policy. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because then next, Africa. 
personally, I think Africa yeah. should be first, but obviously we need to start develop ASEAN, bigger countries. Than Eastern Africa. Asia and Africa. Gold mine. Gold mine. Yep. If, if Agreed. If we can do both of them as top priorities. Yeah. I don't see why not. Especially after Russia, Ukraine, and if the economy... We can work with the EU. And you know, it's double. It's double the workforce. Revenue, double the workforce, double the mines. Yeah. That's a lot of things to think about. That's, that's a topic. To us at the top level. Yeah, that's a topic we can talk about, what? actually. Discussing uh, the EU and how EU relations can, and with the United States, can develop Africa. Instead of having China. Go. Okay, well, we found our next topic of the week. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Really good Stay one. tuned for that one, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, um, but other than that, I think we touched upon everything: security, economics. Yeah, sure. Just Biden administration. If you're listening, please don't forget about Eastern Asia. It's important. I know. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe yeah. in the next uh, administration. Maybe. Yeah. Well, thank I you. got nothing else to say, dude. Oh well, yeah, nothing okay, else perfect. to say. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this one. Start topic of the week. You know, do your own research on this. See what you guys think. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll see you for the Monday.